everybody and welcome to From the Mezzanine. I'm your host, Lindsay Stone, and let's get into this week's episode. How is everybody doing? I think I forgot to start off last week's episode saying how is everybody doing, um, but I just realized that because guess what? I'm recording it back to back. So this is Lindsay a week ago, um, but I'm recording early because it is the holiday season and I am going to be with my family back at home in Texas by the time this comes out. And I certainly am not going to miss one week of podcasting. Are you crazy? Of course not. But because I am recording this a week ahead of time, we don't have Broadway news. We don't have Broadway grosses yet. But do not worry, guys, because guess what episode this is? This is the 2023 Broadway year in review episode where we are going to be going through the 29 Broadway shows that I saw this year and we will be ranking them. We will also be talking about all of the favorites to come out of this year, my favorite vocal performances that I saw, my favorite movie musicals, my favorite all kinds of things. And I'm so excited because honestly, like I thought it was going to be really, really hard to fish through all of these playbills and figure out what my favorites were, but I did it in a very methodical way that made it very, very easy. I went through and I put them into either like a high and a low category. So I went through all of them and I either said this is going to be ranked high or this is going to be ranked low. And so then I had two stacks of what was ranked high and what was ranked low. And then from those two stacks, I separated into high, medium, low, high, medium, low. And then <laughs> see, it's like it's like a science to rating your favorite Broadway shows. And then from my high shows, I then put those in order from favorite to least favorite. And then I did the same for my middle shows, favorite to least favorite. And then least least favorite to least or favorite least favorite to actual least favorite and uh and then I had my ranks and honestly like that made a lot of sense but let me tell you this because uh, it might be a little confusing so I saw 29 shows in total including off-Broadway including like when I saw Gutenberg four times and seeing Sweeney Todd twice seeing Moulin Rouge twice seeing Spamalot twice um but Gutenberg was like the show that I've seen the most this year, which is crazy because it only came out in October. <laughs> I've already seen it the most, um, but it fits because I'm obsessed. Anyways, so so I've seen 29 performances, but I've only seen 21 shows since I've seen some of these 21 shows multiple times. So when I am, oh, and I saw Wicked twice, which like, Holy cannoli, that's crazy. Um, what with the 20th anniversary, saw the green show and the official 20th anniversary show. And so I'm only ranking the show one time. Like I'm only ranking Wicked once. I'm only ranking Moulin Rouge once because I just feel like that's like the fairest way to do it. Um, but aside from ranking shows, I also want to like do a little recap of like FTM and like what everybody was loving this year in terms of like news stories, which shows were grossing the most this year that we had to keep saying, oh, this is at the top. Um, and then also like, like I said, all kinds of favorites of the year. So without further ado, guys, let's get into recapping this year, 2023. For me personally, it has been the craziest year, year of change year of devoting so much to this podcast. Uh, like, honestly, this podcast has changed so much in my life. I started out 
when I was living in Texas and I wasn't getting to see this much Broadway. Last year in my recap, I saw exactly 10 shows. And when I started out the year 2023, before I had any idea I was even going to move to New York, I was like, I need to see every show that comes to my city because I want to see 10 shows again. Well, here I am and I've almost tripled that. I've seen almost triple, just under triple of what I saw last year, which is so amazing. And I'm very fortunate to be able to see this much theater. And of all of these shows, I probably saw or used the lottery system or the rush system for over half. That is the only way I was able to afford seeing these many shows. And uh, while seeing shows can be expensive, honestly, like, I see it as like going out for drinks and dinner can be expensive. So instead of spending money on like drinks and dinner, I go to a show and it's the same price at the end of the day. Um, or honestly cheaper. Like we saw Danny in the Deep Blue Sea for 20 bucks and every Gutenberg ticket is $40. And plus when people come to New York, they want to go and see shows. So it's just kind of the thing to do. Whereas you'd be like buying a museum ticket or what have you. There's so much to do here. Um, but anyways, yeah, I, I definitely have been so freaking fortunate to be able to see this much theater. And I'm really, really excited to recap it all with you. But let's get into it. So my first category, and these categories will give you some insight as to how my like official ranking is, but we'll do the rankings at the end, the official like least favorite to most favorite show that I saw this year. Um, but anyways, my favorite new musical this year. So when I say new musical, I mean not a revival, um, that's really all I mean. And so my favorite new musical that I saw this year was Shucked. Now, I was obsessed with Shucked after I saw I saw it for my 22nd birthday. Oh my God, I wish I saw. Guys, I feel like I am 22. I feel like I am 25, guys. I am 25 years old. I just said I saw it for my 22nd birthday. Wow. Okay. I saw Shucked for my 25th birthday. That certainly felt like it was my 22nd because I do not feel my age. Um, but anyways, I was so obsessed with this show after I saw it because it was so much fun. It was so funny. And I really just felt like it was a great, altogether, well-rounded show. Very similarly to like Waitress in that sense. It it is a show anybody could go and see. Um, it has a great story, a story that takes you from beginning, middle, and end, and it ties up all of the loose ends, and you leave the theater feeling like happy and energized and like you've been thoroughly entertained. Like there's no qualms about it. It doesn't bring up any like senses of doom or like fear for the future. Like it is literally just a moment for you to like go in, sit back, and have a good time. That is what Shucked does. And that was my favorite new musical that I saw this year. I saw a lot of revivals. So it wasn't really hard to figure out what my favorite new musical was because there are so many revivals in this list of shows that I've seen. Uh, but a second to Shucked was definitely How to Dance in Ohio. That was my second favorite new musical that I saw. And for what it stands for, it it really is a very close second. I absolutely adore How to Dance in Ohio. And it was my most anticipated musical of the year, for sure, was How to Dance in Ohio. I have been 
looking at everything I could about how to dance in Ohio leading up to its Broadway opening. I was absorbing every like form of content I could. Once I heard about the concept of it, I watched the HBO documentary. Well, I still haven't finished it. I need to finish it. Um, but I, I've been following the actors in it. Like I really like have been committed to how to dance in Ohio for a long time now. So officially getting to go and and see it for myself was really big. Um, and I adore that show. I truly do. I can't wait to see it again. I definitely will be seeing it a couple more times, I'm sure. But something interesting about Shucked is like I was so obsessed with it, but then I didn't go and see it again for a really long time. Well, I haven't seen it again since I first initially saw it. Maybe that gives you a clue as to where it actually officially ranks in my ranking because it might not be as high as you would think uh, given how much I hype it up. Um, anyways, okay, so that's my favorite new musical this year. It goes to Shucked with How to Dance in Ohio as a very close second. My favorite actor that I saw this year. Now, this category is stacked. It is stacked and it was very hard to choose. I don't even know if I've chosen yet, but here's some, just some of the actors I've seen this year. Jeremy Jordan, Ben Platt, Liam Pierce, Gaten Matarazzo, and then also in the rankings of this was every single guy in Spamalot. Literally, they're all so good, but mainly James Monroe, Eagleheart, or Michael Yuri, or Christopher Fitzgerald, or Ethan Slater. Like, all of them are so good. Um, my favorite actor that I saw this year. I have a very big place in my heart for Gaten Matarazzo and Sweeney. He he like held up a lot of that show for me. I thought he was incredible. Liam Pierce in How to Dance in Ohio. Obviously, I want him to win the Tony this season. Ben Platt in Parade was life changing getting to see that. And then Jeremy Jordan, my whole life has been leading up to seeing Jeremy Jordan live. And so that was especially as Gatsby was huge for me, monumental. And he definitely lived up to expectations. It's really hard to compare all of these very different performances. Ooh, how do you pick? Okay, so in my head, I've already canceled out Liam Pierce, which I mean, I want him to win the Tony, obviously, but he's he's out of it for me. And then Spamalot actors are out of it for me. Um, I think it is between Jeremy, Ben Platt, and Gaten Matarazzo. I think I'm going to have to go with Ben Platt. Because while I, like Jeremy, it was really between Jeremy Jordan and Ben Platt. Y'all know, y'all know, y'all know me <laughs> with my Broadway boyfriends. Y'all know me. Um, but I think Jeremy was incredible. But I think Ben Platt was more well-rounded. But then I also have a hard time because I didn't feel like he was giving in to the chemistry between him and Michaela Diamond. I felt like in their relationship in Parade, like Michaela Diamond was holding up all of the chemistry and like you could believe her that she was in love with Ben Platt's character, but I could not believe that Ben Platt was in love with her, which is not like a point of the show, really. It's not like a big part. I'm going to go Ben Platt, though. I think that altogether his performance was incredible, and I think he was my favorite actor of the year that I've seen. Whew, these are this is hard. Like this is really really hard. Okay, favorite actress of the year though. That's easy without a doubt is going to Mackenzie Kurtz as Glinda in Wicked. She embodies Glinda. I've said it once. I'll say it again. She is Glinda. Glinda is her. She is so incredible. And without a doubt, she is my favorite actress that I have seen in 2023. I have had an idea of Glinda, who Glinda is in my head since I was nine, and. Obviously, Kristen Chenoweth as Glinda is the Glinda in my head, but Mackenzie Kurtz is just as freaking spot on. She's so amazing. I love her. Shout out Mackenzie, BFF. Love you. Okay. Um, 
So the defining musical theater song of the year for me. Now, this is all these, these are just for the shows that I've seen. So I'm not like thinking about freaking like Sheik's a Goddess from last five years. Like these are the shows that I've seen this year, their songs and which one I feel like defined 2023. Um, so I wrote down a couple of these. I don't know if these are correct, but I have Building Momentum and How to Dance in Ohio, which is such a good song. I feel like it's going to be more of a 2024 song for me, though, because I haven't really like like I love it but I haven't obsessively listened to it yet. And I can feel that obsession rising in me for 2024. Um, and then we have like all the songs in Gutenberg, like, oh, they're stuck in my head all day. And we're referencing the songs. Biscuits, biscuits. That's like not even my favorite song, but it's so good. I think my favorite song is Tomorrow Is Tonight. It's a history of future fight. But if they would release a cast album, it would be my song for 2023 because I would listen to it all the time. Gutenberg, where's the cast album? We're all waiting. Um, please. No, I'm dead serious right now. Gutenberg, are you listening? Cast album. I need it. I need it. I need it. I'm listening to the old one. It's not enough. Please, please. I need tomorrow is tonight. Look, I'm already forgetting the words. I need to go see it again. Four times isn't enough. Cast album. Backing you. Okay, so that rules out Gutenberg because I don't have a cast album that I can obsessively listen to yet. Okay, this might be it. This might be my defining song of 2023 is This Is Not Over Yet. That's probably it. I was listening to that a lot. Yeah, that's probably it. I also, I saw Six, the musical in 2023 for the first time, which is crazy because I've been obsessed with that since 2020. Um, but I finally saw it in 2023. And after I saw that, Get Down completely had like a resurgence in my life. Get down. Get, 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 get down. That's such a good song. But I do think if we're going for which song was my world, it's going to be the, This Is Not Over Yet from Parade. This is not over yet. So good. Um, yeah, that was definitely it. Without a doubt. Okay, favorite movie musical this year. I feel like it was such a dry year for movie musicals, probably because of the strike. Um, because the only ones that I could really remember me seeing, maybe I'm forgetting something that's obvious, but are Little Mermaid and Theater Camp. Waitress Pro Shot, I guess you could put into that category. I haven't seen Wonka. Um, I haven't seen Color Purple yet. I don't think it's out yet. So of Little Mermaid and Theater Camp, I loved Theater Camp. It was great. Uh, but I loved Little Mermaid, the live action remake, so much. And wait, honestly, my defining song might be uh, Uncharted Waters from Little Mermaid. Okay, that's second. That's second behind This Is Not Over Yet. Uncharted Waters. Da, 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 da. That was such a good song. I loved all of the new music in the Little Mermaid new one. Like, loved, 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 loved. I need to listen to the soundtrack again, though, but I'm obsessed. So my favorite movie musical of 2023 was the new Little Mermaid. There you go. There you have it, folks. I know you've just been waiting to figure that out. You're, you've been up at night thinking, what is Lindsay, the host of FTM's favorite movie musical of this year? I just, I have to know. I must know. Well, there you have it, folks. You're welcome. Um, the best play that I saw this year. So I saw quite a few plays. I saw Pearly Victorious. I saw Peter Pan Goes Wrong. I saw The Play That Goes Wrong. Um, I saw Mind Mangler. Basically all mischief things. I think that was it though. I think those are the only plays that I saw. Oh, Danny and the Deep Blue Sea starring Aubrey Plaza. But of those, 
it's an easy choice, which I bet a lot of y'all are thinking, it's Danny in the Deep Blue Sea, right? It's Aubrey Plaza. Like, how do you, how do you top that? But no. Or, you know, you might be thinking Pearly Victorious, Leslie Odom Jr. How do you top that? And I'll tell you, tell you how you do it. You go and see Peter Pan Goes Wrong because that is the best dang play I've ever seen. So good. Literally, ever since we saw that, that was the first show that we saw when we moved to New York. And it set the precedent. Like, it was so funny. It was so good. I have no words. And it, I'm so glad that I got to see it at all. But the week after we saw it, it closed. I wish I could have gone and seen it more times because that was amazing. And it shouldn't have closed. There should not have been a limited engagement. That's the best mischief production I've seen. And that's saying something because all of their productions are really good. Okay, best vocals overall that I heard this year. This is like, ugh, this is impossible. How, how do you compare 29 shows? How do you do that? And figure out your best vocals. Well, you go see Shucked and you hear Alex Newell sing independently owned. Like, it's nothing. That's how you do it. So my best vocals I saw in 2023 had to be Alex Newell and Shucked. Um, I have seen them sing at, I think it was like 9 a.m. at this concert in the Bronx. Sing independently owned. That has to be one of the hardest songs to sing. And to do it so effortlessly, like, you've got to be kidding, Alex. You've got to be kidding. And I stand for everything that Alex Newell does. Like, I love their diva energy. And honestly, if they ran me over with a car, I would say thank you. So <laughs> best vocals has to go to Alex Newell. Just, like, effortless. She's, like, they're giving Adele. Like, you know how Adele gets on that stage and she's just like, when we are. Like she sings it just like that because I sound so much like Adele when I sing. But no, what I'm trying to say is that they, like they have to put forth no effort. And I'm sure that there's actually a lot involved. And that's just because like they're well trained. Uh, but when the audience is just watching and you're not straining your voice in any way. And that's just so impressive to me. I love that so much. So best vocals, Alex Newell. But second place to that is like Michaela Diamond, Annalie Ashford. Mackenzie Kurtz, Glinda. I mean, everybody's incredible. So many good voices. Oh my God. Even Oblizada. Oh, even Oblizada and the Great Gatsby. Wait, that's second to Alex. Wait, is that better than Alex? I'm not pitting women against women. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Nope. I'm not doing that. Everybody's good. Even Oblizada and Alex Newell. Amazing. Moving on. Um, wow, I just like got really like worried for a second because I was like, am I going to have to pick between Alex Newell and Eva Noblezada? And I just decided, no, everybody's a winner. Okay. Okay. The show that I want everybody and their mom to see. Now, this is between Sweeney Todd, Parade, and Shucked. And I think it's Parade. I thought I was going to go with Shucked, but I also want it to be Sweeney. Because Sweeney is like authentic, old, like when you go and see a Broadway show, I think a lot of people expect to go and see something like Sweeney. And sometimes like the OG Broadway shows can be a little bit of a letdown. Um, but Sweeney is not that. Sweeney is amazing. It's classic, classic Broadway done correctly. And so that's why I really have Sweeney in the race. And then Parade will move every... I'm going Parade. I'm going Parade. But then also Shucked is good because it's family friendly. 
mostly. And uh, it's very well-rounded. And anybody you bring in, your, your Uncle Radford, your Aunt Kay, your Aunt Lori, shout out to all my family. <laughs> but anybody you bring, your little cousin Micah, anybody you bring is going to enjoy Shucked. <laughs> um, but I think more so... Like, I would be, like, grabbing anybody that comes to visit me. If Parade was still on, I'd be taking them to that. I'd be like, you got to see the show. All right, cool. Parade is the show I want everybody and their mom to see that I've seen this year. Okay, the best duo that I've seen this year. So the ones that came to mind were Glinda and Alphaba, Kinsey Kurtz, and I'm blanking on Alphaba's name. Oh, Alyssa Fox. How could I forget? Um, Them. Josh and Andrew Rannells, which... Y'all know what I'm picking. And then Josh Gad and Annalie Ashford of Sweeney and Nellie Lovett. And the the Lindsay 2023 award goes to Josh Gad and Andrew Annals. Can you name a better duo? I like to see you try. Um, okay, that wraps up like my little favorites of the year. Um, and now I thought it would just kind of be fun to recap like what's been going on FTM wise this year. So the top stories of the year without a doubt and I'm stating this based on like how many downloads I got, how many listeners like tuned in for these certain episodes, but the ones that would do better than any other episode was anything where I was talking about Leah Michelle by far, um, or Funny Girl, anything with that concoction would, everybody would tune in. And then also anything having to do with Ariana Grande and Ethan Slater's relationship or just Ariana Grande and talking about like Wicked, anything with Ariana would pop off, off the charts. Like FTM was like ranked 56 on the charts one day because of that. Um, and then also, which is like totally out of left field, kind of like the black sheep, was Bad Cinderella. Anything where I would be talking about Bad Cinderella would absolutely pop off, um, which I think makes sense because Bad Cinderella was everywhere. Everybody loved to hate it for a really long time. It also kind of happened with Once Upon a One More Time, but way more so with Bad Cinderella. Like whenever I would just like talk about the reviews or like what people were thinking, just like Whenever it was in the title of the episode, it would get so many listens and downloads, which is funny. Like, it's such an odd mix of things that y'all are really enjoying listening about. Uh, but I get it because it's kind of like the gossipy stuff that that's in the zeitgeist. Um, also, whenever I would go on a New York City trip and then come back and recap it with y'all, those would always do really well as well which I loved because it just gave me an excuse to go back to New York. So I'm like, it's for the podcast. Like whenever I go to New York, the podcast does better. And now look at me living here. <laughs> um, okay. And then grosses wise, there would be weeks. We're in a drought right now where in grosses, the Lion King, every single week is number one. But this year, the Music Man was number one for the longest time whenever that was on. And then after Music Man left, it was Phantom for a really long time until I think they closed April, right? And then now it has been moved on to Lion King. So our top grossing shows this year were Music Man and then Phantom and then now it's Lion King. I wonder what it'll be next once either Lion King leaves, which I don't think is going to happen, or something else crazy comes on where there's one of the Hollywood A-list celebrities, isn't it? Um, but it's, it was funny to see that Phantom was so highly grossing, considering before they announced their closing, 
they were like not doing very well. They were at the like middle bottom week to week. And then they announced they were closing. And then they shot all the way up, which is just crazy. Okay, guys, that covers that. Let's get into the part that y'all are all waiting for. Let's talk about my top Broadway shows of 2023. Okay, I think we should start at the bottom and work our way up, right? To leave you waiting. Okay. So at the bottom of my rankings at, I think this is 22, is Pretty Woman. Now, I saw this because Adam Pascal was in it. Of course, the original Roger in Rent. Guys, I always get Mark and Roger mixed up. I know who is who, but I can't, re- like, I know Anthony Rapp and Adam Pascal, but I can't remember which one is Roger and which one is Mark. Mark, Mark is Anthony. Roger is Adam Pascal right? Okay. Roger. I played Roger. And so that's why I went to see this show because it was a national tour. It was coming to my town. It played in Dallas. And uh, I obviously went just for him. We won the lottery. So it was it was really good to not spend a whole lot of money on it. But the story itself was so lacking. And honestly, a big reason that I saw this show was because Last year, when I only saw 10 shows, I thought 10 was a lot, which it is a lot to to people who aren't insane like me. Um, and so I was like, I just have to start seeing every show that comes because I want to hit 10 again next year. Well, fast forward, I've seen 29 shows. So that's a huge reason I saw Pretty Woman was because I just wanted to like add it to the list of shows that I had seen. But the story was the thing that I really did not care for. There was like this narrator that was like, find your dream, find your dream. Like everybody in LA's got a dream. What's your dream? And it was just like so commercial. Like this was the most commercial show I've ever, ever, ever seen. And, uh, and Adam Pascal, now I'm getting mixed up. Adam Pascal was amazing. We had the understudy. Her name was Carissa Garin and, or Goffrin. And she was really, really good. Like the talent was great, but I didn't care for the set. I didn't care for a lot of the characters and the story was super lacking. So that was why Pretty Woman was at the very bottom for me. Second to the bottom, guys, this is crazy, was Some Like It Hot. I thought Some Like It Hot uh, was going to be the Tony sweep because I hadn't seen it yet. And I had seen uh, clips of it and I had heard what people were saying about it. And I thought a lot of people really loved it. And then I went and saw it for myself and it was so not my thing. Um... I didn't like everybody's vocals in it, which is really crazy to say because I'm not super picky, but I really didn't like a lot of their vocals. Um, I didn't get to see uh, Jay Harrison Gee in it because uh, this was when they had already left the company, which we need to talk about because they haven't come back. They said they were going to be gone for like six weeks and then they never came back. And I just feel like that hasn't been talked about. And they're about to be in uh, Once Upon a Mattress. So I'm just kind of like, they left for medical reasons and they haven't seen anything further. Like, which is fine. Like, take your privacy, whatever. But I'm just, I have a question, a big question mark because it was promoted that they would be back. But now they're closing in the end of December. Like, they've already closed by the time this has come out. So I guess they just left and never came back. And maybe they did mention it. And I didn't see it. But anyways, I didn't see Jay Harrison Gee. A lot of people were telling me I would have liked it a lot more if I would have been able to see them in the role. Um, but Christian Borel was in it. And I thought that seeing him would have been really, really cool. I did not care for his performance whatsoever. I thought his comedic timing or like just his like when he would tell a joke, it wasn't funny. Um, and I didn't care for it. I liked the set. I liked the storyline. But 
it just it wasn't it wasn't worth the hype at all for me. Just why it's closing. It just wasn't that good. Okay, and then New York, New York is next. Um, I had the biggest hopes for this show. Y'all know this was probably my biggest letdown of 2023 because Lin-Manuel Miranda's name was on it. And so I blindly trust if he said that cliff over there is super, super shallow. You could just jump one foot and you'll be like on the ground. And I go over there and I look and I'm like, okay, it looks a little far. Okay, Lin, I'll, I'll jump off the cliff. And then, you know, I would follow him off a cliff, so I'm trying to say. Uh, and and so I went to see this show, and I essentially followed Lynn off a cliff because it, w- it was awful. It was so bad. There were three different storylines, and two of them correlated. One was in its own world and made no sense, and I know what they were trying to do. They were trying. They were pretending to try to, like, capture different cultures of New York, but it was so surface level. The music wasn't good, but the orchest- orchestrations were amazing. That was the best thing about this show was the orchestrations. Um, and then I like scenically, the set design was nice. <sighs> I like the vibes of the show. Didn't care for the show at all. And I didn't like Col- Colton Ryan's portrayal. If you didn't hear the story about what he said to me at the stage door, um, go back and listen because. I think that contributes to the fact that I don't like this show because he accused me of being a bootlegger at the stage door when I was simply recording him signing my playbill. But whatever, Colton Ryan, I feel like he's a little funky monkey a little bit. But anyways, we had the understudy for Francine Evans, the lead girl, and we had Vanessa Sears and she was really, really good, but I didn't care for Colton Ryan at all. Um, Sorry, but I, I wanted to love this show. Y'all know I did. And then the critical reviews came out and I was like, oh, crap, I've got it all wrong. And then I went and saw it and I was I was sadly uh, it was sadly confirmed that it wasn't good. But what I will say is the good thing about this show is that I saw Lin-Manuel Miranda for the very first time in the audience and I cried and cried because he's my idol and I adore him and I will still go see anything that his name is attached to. Um. But yeah, that was the best part of the show was seeing Lin-Manuel Miranda for probably 10 seconds before the show started. Okay, next we have Book of Mormon. I hope y'all are following that this is like in order from least favorite to like most favorite. So Book of Mormon is a show that I've like loved since I was in high school. Uh, I believe was probably would have been on my Spotify wrapped in 2020. 16 if Spotify Wrapped would have been a thing back then. Um, but then I, I saw it and it was what I kind of thought it was going to be. I knew it was going to be super duper racy and risque. And that's just not my sense of humor. I'm glad that I saw it. We won the lottery for it. Um, but all in all, like this is for a very specific type of person, probably the kind of person who enjoys South Park, which its creators uh, created. Um, and that's not my sense of humor in any sense or fashion. Uh, I can't help but like feel like everybody is offended, even though a lot of people aren't offended by the jokes in here. I think that they do handle a lot of the jokes well. Um, and I think that they're they're genuine. They're like they have good intentions, which is what matters. Um, when I was doing the research for the Book of Mormon episode we did like months ago, uh, I I did a lot of research into how they like crafted their storyline and there's a lot of respect behind it. And I hear that apparently Mormons enjoy the show themselves. And so if if the people you're poking fun at can laugh along with it, it's not that bad, right? But it's just, it's not in my nature to laugh at something that feels inappropriate. So this was not my favorite show by a landslide, but it was funny 
And I love the guys in it. Okay, next we have Anne Juliette. This is like dangerously low and I feel like I'm going to get canceled for putting it this low. Um, but it was not my show. I think Anne Juliette is very aware of what it is. And for that, I give it a lot of credit. That's why it's not at the bottom. Um, but I just... It's so cheesy and when you know how on TikTok it was such a big trend uh, to like parody jukebox musicals and people would be like, oh my gosh, this bar is so good. Do you think they have any fireball? Like y'all remember when that was a TikTok trend? Well, that's what Angelia is the entire time. It feels like improperly placed songs not all the time sometimes it's okay like at the beginning it's okay but that one scene when Betsy Wolf was like trying to get into the club and she started singing back door cracked we don't need a key you're coming with me this place about to blow like that like made me cringe out of my body like oh my god it was too bad it was too extreme it was too cheesy and that's why I don't like this show um but it was a it was like fine. It was fun. It was a very fun show. And I want to bring people to go and see it just to watch their reaction. But as a Moulin Rouge stan and Moulin Rouge girly, like, I just can't with Anne Juliet. It's, it's, it's too, too much. Okay, next we have Pearly Victorious, which was one of the only plays that I saw this year, but it starred Leslie Odom Jr. Really happy I saw this show. The best thing about this show was that at the stage door, the, the cast that came out were so obsessed with their show. They wanted to tell us, oh, the lighting at like this part in the show, it is moving at this rate to symbolize like the sun is setting. And and they were just obsessed with their show, which I loved. I absolutely loved. Like, and uh, also Leslie and his performance was amazing. Uh, sometimes a story was a little hard to stay tuned into. I was it was a little sleepy at times, I have to say, which is why it is a little bit further down in my ranking. Um, but I'm really, really glad that I saw it and to be able to see Leslie Odom Jr. in action is like. I I would follow him off club too. Um, and so I'm really glad I saw that this show. But I don't know. I guess maybe it's just a little bit lacking for me. I think I was expecting a little bit more from it. But it was it was really good. Like it's it's middle of the pack for me, which for a play is it's pretty good because I'm more of a musical girly. Okay, this is gonna shock some people, I know, but Moulin Rouge is in the very middle of my stack here. Actually, we're still kind of on the lower end. This is probably should we do a count so everybody knows what we're at? Okay, let's see. One, two, three, four. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Okay, twelve. So Moulin Rouge is my number twelve, which I know is gonna shock so many of you guys. But this is because this was the show that I saw with Derek Kalina and JoJo. And I really loved JoJo's performance, but Derek Kalina was so not it for me. Ricky Rojas, who uh, was in the OBC, was in this show. But if you don't have the dynamic duo of Aaron Tveit and Ricky Rojas, it's just like not the same vibe. Um, and so that's why it's in the middle of the pack, which like for the last two years, Moulin Rouge would have been my number one and it was my number one. And so I feel like I'm I'm like forsaking my firstborn child, but I just did not like this performance of Moulin Rouge. Like I always thought it was a show that no matter what would bring the same energy and like power and be so good. But honestly, I found out when I saw this cast that the cast really does make or break this show. And unfortunately, it broke it. It broke it. I'd seen the OBC so many times that I was just completely spoiled. And so when I saw this, I was like, this isn't the same show I know and love. Well, 
It was still really, really good. It just didn't do the same thing to me that the other shows have done. So I think I'm actually ranking this lower based on like disappointment, uh, not because I genuinely think it like isn't good, but I was just disappointed in this performance of the show. So I think that's why it's ranked to number 12. Okay, number 11 is Peter Pan Goes Wrong. Peter Pan Goes Wrong. When we went and saw this, I, I already talked about it a little bit. Um, but it was a game changer. And this was like the first mischief pr- production that we saw. And it kind of like started the spiral and obsession of mischief. And uh, it was hilarious from start to finish. The second we sat down, we were cracking up and we didn't stop. There was so much audience interaction, which sometimes can make you really uncomfortable. But in this case, it just added to the hysteria and craziness and chaos. Um, and all of the cast was amazing. Everybody was hilarious. In this show, what we, what I really loved about it was that um, they did such a good job of like breaking the fourth wall. Um, OK, let me try to explain this. So Peter Pan Goes Wrong is a play that's being put on by I think it was like a a community theater. And then you also get to know like the community theater actors who are putting on the show and you'll hear like like voicemails from, I don't know, it's hard to explain, but the actors and their characters are a part of the show. And so the back and forth between that was really fun. Kind of like in Gutenberg, how Bud and Doug act as the characters they've written, but then they're also themselves. They kind of break out of it too. And then themselves, it's, it's similar to what they do in Peter Pan Goes Wrong. And uh, the mishaps and the machinery and the set design was like mind boggling. It was crazy that like nobody died. And so it really left you wondering, like, are they actually okay? Was that actually supposed to happen? Because it was so freaking chaotic. And um, yeah, I just it was it was so amazing. We loved it. So number 10 is MJ, which this story is so nothing like nothing burger supreme. Like, I don't care about this this story at all, but I I'm ranking it at number 10 because the songs and the choreography and the ensemble are what brought it out of this world for me. I, I feel like 10 is even too low for it. Like the ensemble was so good. And they shared something very similarly to Pearly. Like this ensemble came out to sign playbills. I mean, look at how many, if you're watching this on YouTube, how many uh, sign autographs I have on my playbill like everybody came out and signed and they were so passionate about their show and you could just tell they have so much fun together which is like the most beautiful thing I love it when you can tell that uh, a cast is having so much fun together on stage but yeah like I did not care for the story but it was totally totally made up for in the ensemble and the choreography so freaking good the energy was unreal okay next we have six I saw this on the touring uh, performance. It was in Dallas. And I love six ever since 2020 when I went through a major six phase. And then I finally got to see it uh, at the start of this past year. And uh, I mean, it's just so good. It's really, really so good. It lives up to expectations. And it's just, how do you not love six? It's energetic. It's female forward. It's fun. It's silly. It's hilarious. And it has Cleves who sings, get down. Like, that's the best moment. Okay, next. What are we at? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. At number eight, we have How to Dance in Ohio. Like I mentioned earlier, this was definitely my most anticipated show this year. And for what it what it exemplifies, what it raises up, what it promotes, it's amazing. And uh, a lot needs to change to make it perfect and polished, but it's also great as it is right now. And uh, 
I just love this show. Like this is a show that I'll I'll remember for so many years. And I think that's why it's rated so high. Like I, I had such an emotional ride with this show. Like it, it really overwhelmed me with emotion. Uh, like whenever it was intermission, my sister was like, how did you like it? I was like, I just, I just can't even. Like I almost started crying. Like it just, it really moves you really moves you. It's really, really amazing. So number seven, we have Spam a lot. Ah, gosh, I don't know if Spam a lot should be over How to Dance in Ohio, but I think at the end of the day it is. So I saw Spam a lot twice. The first time I saw it, we were pretty far back. And then the second time I saw it, we were in the third row because we did a uh, rush for it. And the second experience was far better because comedies are always better when you can really see their faces. Yeah, Spam a lot has so much energy. The cast is so good. What they touch on Uh, from Monty Python and the Holy Grail is really genius. Like they don't give too much time to the parts that are kind of boring and then they really like harp on the funnier parts. But the this is like a cast led show. James Monroe Eagleheart is great in his role. He's amazing. But the overall cast is really what makes it. Um, And so that's why it's ranked number eight or seven for me. I liked it so much more than I thought I would like it. For sure. For sure. Number six is The Great Gatsby. Now, this is ranked so high due to the amount of talent in the cast. Everybody had the best vocals literally I've ever heard. Uh, from Jeremy Jordan to Eva Noblezada to Sam Pauly, one of the original six, um, to the guy who played Nick Can Nick Cannon. Oh, gosh. Nick Carraway. What was his name? Noah J. Ricketts. Everybody was really coming through for this show. Uh, While it had a tremendous amount of downsides, um, i.e. Gatsby's parties looked awful. Like I wouldn't have even wanted to be in attendance for a Gatsby party. That's what they really need to figure out for once it comes to Broadway, if it's coming to Broadway. At this time, I don't know if it's coming to Broadway, but there's been some rumors and some teasers. Um, But anyways, it's got a lot of work to do to actually be Broadway caliber, but the amount of talent that they had this was amazing. It was really amazing. And the set was, blow your mind, ridiculous crazy. The, the set was really good. And some of the songs were great. Uh, most of the first act songs were amazing. Uh, it just needs some work, but that doesn't, that doesn't keep it from being this high. It was still really, really amazing. Okay, number five is Shucked, the musical. Guys, y'all know I'm just obsessed with Shucked. Uh, it, it stands the test of time. I'm sad that it's leaving. I'm not ready for it to go. Um probably it's going to be a hard day for me. Um but I I just love Shucked. I've talked about it enough. And number 4 is Sweeney Todd. The power of this show. I saw it twice. It's so dark and twisted. And I really like that it it's doing that because not a lot of the shows that I see on Broadway are like the dark, creepy, crawly, crazy shows. And uh so I just like that it's different. And uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. There are times where I'm like, oh, I'm getting a little sleepy. Um, But for the most part, it like lights a fire inside of me and it scares the crap out of me. And and it's really, really good. Okay, we're almost there. We're getting our we're in our top three. Number three is Parade. Now, Parade is a show I wish I would have seen a million times with Ben Platt, Michaela Diamond. It was such an odd experience because I left feeling so sad and I never felt so sad leaving a Broadway show ever in my life. And so for a long time, I thought I didn't even like it. I thought I didn't like the show at all. But then after a while, whenever I reflected on it, I realized how amazing it truly was. And that feeling when I left the theater wasn't 
a distaste towards the show. It was a sickness for the story that it tells. Um, and usually, you know, you leave Broadway show happy and energized and like on cloud nine. And this one obviously didn't do that because it's a very sad, tragic story. And so with some reflection, it is now my number three because it was so freaking good. Okay, number two is Gutenberg the musical. I do should I even talk about it or should I just put it back down? Because y'all know how much I love this show. I'm not gonna be okay come January whenever it is off Broadway, but this show is perfect. It's so funny. It is so specific to me and my sense of humor. I could not love a show more than like this or want to go and see a show more than this. Oh, whenever a friend visited and I was like, Yeah, this is gonna be my fourth time seeing it. He was like, Oh, are you okay with that? I was like, I would see this show every single weekend if I could. Like, this is the highlight of my life right now and definitely my current hyperfixation. So, Gutenberg is my number two for 2023. I love you, Gutenberg. Okay, my number one, without a doubt, has to be Wicked's 20th anniversary show. Guys, this was my first time seeing Wicked in the Gershwin, which by itself is pretty humongous for me but this was like my entire life leading up to this show honestly getting to see Adina Menzel and Kristen Chinwith watch them watch Wicked they literally were sitting a couple of rows in front of me and after the big songs they would give a standing ovation and just to be able to observe that I I wept she wept Lindsay wept um I was so not okay and then just in general Wicked is the most stunning timeless show and I'm obsessed to be able to go to the 20th anniversary was like just the best experience that I could have ever had. It was the best day of my life without like literally the best day of my life. I'm not even kidding um, because it just like it, it was the epitome of everything that I ever wanted. Like I am obsessed with Adina and Kristen. I got to see them in real life and I I just got to share this moment with so many other people that feel the same as I do, who are Aussians, fellow Aussians who love Wicked. And to get to see everybody's creativity, so many people were coming in costume. It just felt like such a safe space for people to share their appreciation and love of Wicked, to get to like see Stephen Sondheim and Winnie Holzman take to the stage afterwards to to say, share some words about Wicked and then see the entire Platt family, Mark Platt, Ben Platt, Henry Platt, everybody, uh, like come and celebrate to see Lin-Manuel Miranda in the audience and, and, and like just share this moment with so many greats. Like this was the best night of my life. And I'm so, so beyond grateful that I got to share this opportunity and, and that I was able to go like, this was the best. This was the best time of my life. And without a doubt, Wicked 20th anniversary performance was my favorite Broadway show of 2023. I hope I hope I get to one up it next year. I don't know how anything could ever top Wicked 20th anniversary. But guys, that is my 2023 recap of Broadway shows. So I didn't like touch on every like single performance I saw like um my two performances of Wicked uh, two performances of Moulin Rouge for Bloomberg but I just didn't feel like it was right to like compare apples to apples in that way um and then I also didn't like bring in the off-Broadway shows to that mix because I just don't also think that it's fair to like compare Rock and Roll Man or The Play That Goes Wrong or Mind Mangler or Danny and the Deep Blue Sea to these Broadway shows because they're just very different. I did bring Great Gatsby into that mix because I do think that it was comparable. Um, but these other ones, not that they're like bad or like lower quality. It's just I don't feel like it's fair to compare them because it's not apples to apples. It's like grapes to apples. So anyways, that's my year in 
2023, guys. Thank you so much for sticking around. If you've been here since the beginning of 2023, go to my latest Instagram and comment 2023 so I know that you've been here all year if you've been a longtime listener. Uh, guys, thank you so much for listening. I can't believe we're already in 2024. Um, and I can't wait to see what new shows I get to see this year. I'm sure I'm going to see Gutenberg a couple more times <laughs> before it leaves. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of From the Mezzanine. If you're listening on YouTube, please subscribe and like this video. Leave me a comment. Let me know what your top 2023 show you saw was. I want to know. Uh, if you're, if you follow me on Instagram or TikTok, also go let me know what your top show of 2023 was because I have to know. Also, I'm sure y'all are going to disagree with me with some of these, but I would love to have some healthy arguments and conversation about what our favorite shows was or why I'm wrong about uh, some of these, which, you know, let's let's keep it a uh, civil. But I love having a healthy debate about Broadway. So go find me on YouTube at From the Mezzanine Broadway. And I'm on TikTok and Instagram at From the Mezzanine. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Go ahead and share this episode with your musical theater loving friend. I'm sure that they're going to enjoy it just as much as you do. And leave me a five-star review wherever you're listening right now. Thank you once again for tuning into this week's episode. And I will see you next Tuesday. Bye!